Welcome to Write Good, the podcast that helps you learn how to write good. I'm R.S. Benedict, and today's episode is brought to you by the letters S, E, and O. Have you ever noticed that writing on the internet kind of looks the same? Do you ever get tired of reading bland, repetitive content? Do you ever wish that your favorite food blog would just get to the fucking recipe instead of making you scroll through a giant essay first? There's a reason for all that, and it's called SEO, and it's yet another way that Google is ruining human civilization. You can't write good without reading good, and one part of that is being able to recognize patterns and techniques that other writers use. Once you learn about SEO, you start to see it everywhere, and it really does change the way you read content on the internet. With me today is Matt Keeley, our producer, who knows a lot more about technical stuff than I do. Matt, what does SEO stand for, and what is it? Well, SEO is Search Engine Optimization, and basically it's a bunch of tricks that you can do to trick Google into serving your article rather than somebody else's. The general idea is that when you're writing an article or a blog post, you'll assign a particular keyword to the piece that helps people find it. So, say you're writing a piece about cat care, your keyword is probably just going to be cat care. There are a number of rules for SEO, some of which make sense, like putting your keyword in the headline. And others, though, tend to get in the way of the actual writing. For example, uh, you'll need to use your keyword in the very first paragraph and multiple times throughout the piece. It's easy and painless in, in certain cases. Like, for example, if you're writing a review of a record, the keyword's just going to be the name of the album. And it's not going to sound weird if you refer to the album by name a bunch of times. But sometimes you'll need a more complex keyword. So, like, the best way to think of keywords is what someone would put into Google to find your article. So if you're writing an article about the relationship between two celebrities, your keyword would probably be, say, Bob Dole, Janelle Monet, which is fine for Google. That That's exactly what you would search for to find an article on a relationship between those two folks. But if you're trying to write an article about them, it's kind of a pain to figure out how to shove that exact string into a sentence and then still have it sound like it was written by an actual real live human being. That sounds like it could lead to some kind of repetitive writing, right? Oh yeah, pretty much. So it's almost like Google rewards kind of crappy writing in a way. Like if you do this clunky, awkward writing, you're going to come out on top of a search and basically get rewarded with clicks and ad revenue and all that fun stuff. Pretty much. Yeah. There's, there's some <laughs> stuff that you can do that's hidden like usually like a summary of your article that'll use the keyword. But again, Google looks at the actual story. So if you have all the keywords in all the others hidden stuff, but you don't have it in your article, Google is going to think you're trying to pull a fast one. How pervasive is this type of writing? Does like every blog use it? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you kind of have to. It's an arms race. You need to do the tricks, otherwise Google will ignore you. And it won't matter necessarily if your article on cat care is the best thing in the world, if no one's going to read it. Now, uh, we've talked about writing and SEO. 
What about some other forms of internet-based content like YouTube videos or podcasts, for example? How do those use SEO? Well, I'm not as familiar with YouTube SEO techniques per se, but they do indeed exist, and so does SEO for podcasts. And in fact, I've even attempted to optimize this very podcast and this very episode. So, you know, the calls are coming from inside the house, people. <laughs> and that includes getting it on many different platforms to help with brand recognition or whatever you want to call that. But also, too, I uh, when I post the show notes uh, for this episode, I'm going to write them as an SEO-style blog post to, again, trick Google into showing it to people and so that way we're not just uh, shouting into the ether. Yeah, screaming into the void. <laughs> All right. And how do sites tailor their content to match SEO? What strategies do content creators use to curry favor with the Google gods? Uh, there's a few cosmetic ways. Uh, for example, have you ever clicked on an article on Google and it turns out to have a drastically different headline than the one that you actually clicked on? That's SEO. The Google headline probably has the keyword for the article near the beginning where the one that you're actually reading on the site is probably a little bit more artistic and, you know, a little bit more interesting to read than just, this is a thing about the thing. Right. Like less literal, more wordplay or cultural references or cleverness. Exactly. Yeah. So like, I'm just thinking of that really famous New York post headline Ford to New York drop dead. <laughs> That's like the human title versus the SEO might be, I don't know, Gerald Ford, New York budget cuts bad or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gerald Ford, New York feud. That was a trick that I've used before where it went like to get back to the two celebrity example. It'll be like, Oh, the, the so-and-so and so-and-so feud, or can the so-and-so, so-and-so relationship ever be the same, or, or something like that to make it sound a little bit more like something someone might actually say, even though it's still not. <laughs> right. I, I, I also briefly worked for a sort of clickbait site where our input had basically a green light that went off when your SEO was good. So I just knew, okay, put words in this box until the light turns green, which didn't really feel like a very creative writing experience, just writing to please the computer algorithms. But I did develop this uh, way to create this, this sort of formula of, okay, use it once in the preview language. Use it again in the first paragraph. Use it at the beginning or end of the title. Use it again in the last paragraph. Repeat it once or twice in the body. And I kind of developed in my head almost a Mad Libs format for writing articles, which was efficient and effective, but I just kind of felt dirty doing it a lot of the time. <laughs> it just <laughs> didn't really feel like strong writing. I wasn't, I really wasn't happy doing that. What are some more insidious ways, even more insidious than just shitty writing? And before we go into more about how bad SEO is, I want to say that, you know, just to defend <laughs> SEO, not that it needs it, is that there, there are actually some good or guidelines that are actually good advice. Like, for example, good SEO involves linking to other sites. And you should honestly, if you're writing nonfiction, you should always do that anyway, because citing sources is very important. I mean, it's, it lets people follow your, uh, 
follow your work and show that you did your homework. But the thing is, is that Google doesn't really care that much about, you know, homework doing and, and source citing so much as it just wants to help figure out the exact topic of your article and figure out how to serve it to. But the, some of the more insidious things that it does is, for example, Google wants to see your keyword in the alt text of images, which might sound good and all, but the thing is, is that alt text has a very specific purpose, which is for people uh, who use screen readers to know what images are in the article, because uh, that's how a lot of times uh, blind people and vision impaired people experience the web is via a screen reader. Now, here's a question that's very important to me and rather important to a lot of women that I'm friends with is... Why does SEO make it so hard for me to just learn how to cook a fucking flourless chocolate tort? Why do I have to read the food blogger's thousand word memoirs first? Wh why? Why can't you just tell me? Just tell me how to make the cake. Just give me the fucking cake recipe. This isn't necessary. I don't need your monologue. I don't need your soliloquy about the time you went to the beach. Just just tell me how to make the cake. <laughs> well, you know how I said that I wanted to defend SEO a little bit ago? Yeah. This is completely SEO's fault, and fuck SEO for this. <laughs> <laughs> because we've all been there. It's, But the, that's the thing is, how Google looks for your keyword is it, it looks at for it in the opening paragraph and repeated several times throughout the text, like which is... What, what I was getting at about like that kind of Frankenstein-y sentence structure that'll show up sometimes. But the thing is, is that it's particularly bad when you get something like a recipe. Because a recipe is a completely different kind of beast than a narrative piece. Uh, a recipe, your headline is probably going to be the name of the, the flourless chocolate tort. And then you're going to start with a list of ingredients. So, you know, I, I'm totally explaining here what a recipe is, even though I'm sure <laughs> everyone listening has seen a fucking recipe before. But just Man in case... explaining a recipe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you know that usually people use recipes to make what is known as food? <laughs> I'm actually recipes tell you how to make food. Shh. <laughs> Uh, anyway, sorry, uh, go on. No worries, but, but <laughs> anyway, so your recipe is going to say, like, you know, flourless chocolate tort, and then it'll go right into the list of ingredients, like half cup of insulted butter, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, cup of milk, whatever. And the thing is, is that's good for people, right? I mean, people, that's that's what we want to see. We just want to yeah. cut all the bullshit, get to the, the stuff that we actually care about. I just want to know what I need to buy at the grocery store. That's it. That's it. That's all I need to know. Exactly. And that's the thing is that Google isn't quite smart enough to put that together because if, if you have your ideal recipe here where you've got headline is the, the name of the cake, then it starts with the ingredients list and then it goes into, you know, preheat your oven and da 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 all the instructions. Google isn't smart enough and it looks at this and it goes, well, okay, according to the keyword, this is about a flourless chocolate tort. And, okay, it says that in the headline. That's cool. We're, we're totally, this is totally looking like a flourless chocolate tour right now. And then, but wait a minute. The entire first paragraph is a half cup of unsalted butter. That doesn't mention a flourless chocolate tort. And, and down here, like, I don't see the words flourless chocolate tort anywhere. I'll see, like, 
take the cake out of the oven, but that could be any cake. I mean, this, this is madness. This is definitely not a page about a flourless chocolate tort. It's obviously a spammer trying to get to the eyeballs of all good flourless chocolate tort-loving people who crave flourless chocolate tort-related content, damn it! So, in able to convince Google that, yes, indeed, this is flourless chocolate tort-related content, we have to spend about 300 words, which is the recommended minimum for a SEO-optimized piece. And I know that that's a little redundant, search engine optimization optimized, but... Whatever, it's, right. you know. I say ATM machine, it's exactly. okay. <laughs> but so uh, we have to spend about 300 words, which is the minimum, blathering on and on and on about the very first time our grandmother made the first flourless <laughs> chocolate tort, and it changed my life forever. And, and if I had not had that chocolate tort, that flourless chocolate tort, I would be a sad person who had never known the joys of a flourless chocolate tort. And and I would be sad, but now with the magic of my flourless chocolate tort recipe, I can share the my my particular flourless chocolate tort recipe with the entire world. Flourless chocolate tort. And so you know you have all this this crap that you have to dig through that no one actually gives a damn about because. You know, we don't care about your grandmother making this cake. We just want to make the damn cake. Right. Right. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Uh, now, what are some other ways that SEO affects the content we see online? Uh, well, it turns out that, you know, since basically SEO is all about writing for computers, it's writing so the Google computers will know what it is and know what to do with it. But it turns out that one of the things about writing for computers is that computers themselves are really good at it. I mean, I know this is shocking, but computers know what computers want. So yeah. it's relatively trivial to set up like what are known as AI or artificial intelligent content farms. And you, that might be sounding weird, but you probably know about those Weird YouTube videos for kids that with the really long names like Elsa, Spider-Man, Batman, Frozen for Kids, Video Games, Scooby-Doo, Murder Party, Santa Claus, where it'll just be a bunch of poorly rendered nonsense where Spider-Man and Elsa will dance to a nursery rhyme. Those were all created by computers based on whatever the most popular search terms were at that precise second. So it doesn't matter that the, that the videos themselves are nonsense. They've got the magic words in them. So YouTube search would serve them up and then undiscerning children would click on them because, you know, children aren't the most savvy internet consumers, let's just say. So right. the kids would click on, you know, whatever they see that has Elsa and Spider-Man in it. And then when that video ends, YouTube's algorithm would say, oh, you want more content like this? Which would, oddly enough, probably be another computer-generated nonsense video, probably by the same content farm. So kids spend hours watching it, and the farm rakes in the advertising money. All right. Um, I think they cut down on those a little bit more recently after they got some really negative press, right? Yeah, there's been, like, huge crackdowns on those. Like, 
I think they still exist. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they're working super hard to find a way around around the ban. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you can do a search and find more of these that were generated, like, today. Right. But they're probably not getting quite as much views as they used to be. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> more importantly, is there anything we can do to stop this menace? <laughs> Damned if I know. It's, like I said, it's... Everybody wants to get eyeballs because no one wants to just write something and have no one read it. That, of course, that's not fun. So every, you got to do these little tricks to get people to read it. And then everybody's doing the same tricks and everybody's doing the same tricks. And so it ends up being a snowball more than anything else. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if in like five years we do another SEO video that's just like, Jesus Christ, remember when we actually had content? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remember when there were articles? <laughs> remember that? Or as we will title the video, Elsa Spider-Man, Batman, Frozen for Kids, Johnny, Papa, Dentist, Treat, Pregnancy, Murder Party Santa Claus. <laughs> the title of our next episode. <laughs> Baby Shark. No, just kidding. <laughs> Or am I? Anyway, <laughs> that's all for this episode. Join us next time when we talk about how not to deal with criticism. This has been Right Good with R.S. Benedict, hosted by R.S. Benedict and produced by Matt Keeley for KS Media LLC. This has been a Kitty Sneezes production. For comments and concerns, please write to us at rightgoodwithrsb at gmail.com. That is R-I-T-E-G-U-D with rsb at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash rightgood. That's R-I-T-E-G-U-D. Thanks and good night. Kittysneezes.com in color.